It's said that the West was built on legends, tall tales that help us make sense of things too great or too terrifying to believe. This is the legend of the Ghost Rider. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode number 74, and the movie we watch this week as week two of Palooza 2020, our, week, our, our yearly month-long celebration of Nicolas Cage, 2007's that's, that's Ghost the Rider. That was settled on? That's the name that I settled on. So, okay. this is not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. That voice. You're definitely a dick. <laughs> okay, so the, the first <laughs> voice you heard there was the voice of David, who had never Hello. seen this movie before. I had seen bits and pieces, but mm-hmm. I had never watched it start to finish in one sitting. Right. And the other name, who might be on her last episode, we don't know yet, is Christina. Hello. Oh, you love me and you know it. I know. Uh, so yeah, 2007's Ghost Rider. Um, whew. Boy, there's a lot, uh, a lot I have to say about this movie. So David, you had that's seen a recurring, that's a recurring theme with our cage months. Yes, this is true. Um, so you had seen bits and pieces, but you'd never watched it start to finish. Correct. Yeah. I that's think I saying? had watched, so this had came out, uh, and, you know, continually just going to sound like a baby, but this was 12, uh, or I was 12 when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had started watching it with my parents. And then one, I think when, I think when the, the Legion dude, Mistopheles son, like turned his face into the evil face for the first time. Oh, I think I chickened out and uh, did not continue watching it. Yeah, I have plenty to say about that later on. Um, but <laughs> hey, now now you can say that you've seen it all the way through. And Christina, you'd seen this one before, right? And you've seen the sequel. Yes, I saw both of them in theaters. Well, I've always been a Marvel fan, but more of a DC girl. But I still respect Marvel. So I didn't see either of these in theaters, but I did see. I have seen. Both, uh, both the Ghost Rider films. We're, we're going to focus more on the first one. Um, I'm going to mention Spirit of Vengeance, the sequel, a few times. So I did actually try to watch that uh, as well, and I kept falling asleep. So for an action movie, that's probably yeah. not a glowing endorsement. Um, so 2007, and let's start with the cast. Obviously, Nicolas Cage is, is our, our main focus for the month, but he plays Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider. And he lobbied hardcore to be in this movie. Um, well, yeah, he has a tattoo. Yeah, he, they, they actually had to cover his tattoo with makeup. Um, He's an infamous comic book fan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ghost Rider is one of his favorites. So he lobbied really hard to play the character. They got him on there. It jacked the budget of the movie way up because he demanded a very high fee. Um, as he, well as photorealistic Ghost Rider. Yes. Which prolong the production and again increase the budget he's weirdly reserved in this movie um 
he doesn't have a ton of those. Like this is a character that's that's rife with opportunities to just have the cage freakouts, and he really doesn't do it as much as I you would expect him to do. You know what I mean? Not in this one. <laughs> I don't, David. What yeah. did you think of uh, Cage this, in this? Deceptively reserved uh, for a Cage performance. Um, I do think that when he was required to be over the top, he did over the top very well. But I do also think that, you know, Johnny Blaze was never sort of, you know, he was the daredevil on the bike and was never anything else. You know, he listened to the oldies music at his place, you know, read the books, worked on bikes. That's what he did. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, a violent or crazy adventurous guy so i do think that was sort of played well but uh i do think when he had to be explosive in this movie i think it fit very well um and i'm sure we'll come back to this you know this specific spot but i've always said the first transformation he does is really well done uh this sort of agonizing screaming transformation into the first first time we see Ghost Rider proper. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the old werewolf transformations too. Right. It does have a little bit of that, doesn't it? It And it fit. I think it fit pretty well uh, for the moment they were going for. I think the biggest problem I had, and it's not Nicolas Cage's fault, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, is the um, unevenness of the movie. But I want to talk about that when we get to the director. So I think Cage overall, I think is pretty good in this actually. Uh, you know, he there's some weird tonal stuff where he's like, there's, there's moments where he's as Johnny cage, just very like reserved and quiet, but then he can be kind of goofy when he's showing off on the bike on the highway. But you know, I liked him. I liked him in this overall. So, you know, it's not one of those it's this, this isn't the Nicholas cage. That's just showing up for a paycheck. This is the Nicholas cage. It's like, I enjoy this material and I want to do it well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Nick Cage has always had that sort of... You kind of expect him to be goofy no matter what the movie, Mm -hmm. at least for a scene at minimum. Um, But I think it fit the sort of Johnny Blaze character. Yeah, I think so. Um overall oh geez there we go um so okay so we've got nick cage as johnny blaze uh donald logue plays mac which is like his best friend and his uh kind of crew chief for his um daredevil crew i love donald logue he isn't in the movie enough for me but when he is in it he gets to i'm pretty sure he got to ad lib a lot of his lines and he's always he's always fun not his first marvel film he started uh his marvel his first marvel film was blade I don't know if either of you real or recognized him. Well, yeah, I, he lost his hand. Yeah, I mean, David, I, have you seen Blade? Nope. Okay, so he was in that. That's going on the list. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the list yeah. is years long. It is. This is yes. true. Uh, but I like Donald Logue. I, it, you know, it's a it's a pretty stock standard character. He gets to be the comic relief kind of fun. He, unfortunately, like I said, he's not in the movie enough and. A lot of the the stuff that looked like it was kind of being subplot of like Johnny's career sort of got swept under the rug and like forgotten about. 
So, but he's in it. He's great. He's always great in everything. I just, I just like him. Um, Eva Mendez plays Roxanne, the love interest. I thought she was fine. I didn't think she was anything special, but she wasn't bad either. I don't know. What do you guys think of Eva Mendez? She played her character. <laughs> she was there. I mean, nothing, nothing extravagant, I, but did what was needed. I think any other pre-2010, 2000s actress would have performed as admirably. The one thing I did read was that she actually went through the effort of putting on some weight to, to look more like the comic character of Roxanne. She was a little, she was built thinner than that character. And she, she felt as though she owed it to fans to at least try to try to emulate the character a little bit more. So that was, that was kind of fun to read. Uh, but like, I, I agree. She was there. It, she was fine, but you're not, you're not that far off David and that you could have cast just about anybody in there. I will say though, that the girl that plays the young Roxanne, uh, whose name is Raquel Alisi mm-hmm. looks frighteningly like a young Ava Mendez. Like it's kind of creepy how much oh, they look alike. I honestly would have guessed it was her had I not known. <laughs> I, you know, it, that could have, that could pass for today's version of de-aging somebody. I mean, they they were that similar looking to me. Yeah. Uh, and that does also bring up Matt Long as young Johnny Blaze. Again, he was fine. I didn't have any problems with him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally unexceptional. <laughs> How about uh, Peter Fonda as Mephistopheles, which is their version of the devil in this movie? Um, number one, Peter Fonda, kind of always a win to cast him in something, but to have him in a biker movie is, you know, because of Easy yeah. Rider, that's always a thing, right? Right. Um, it's funny. He's sort of the villain, but not the villain. And he's he's pulling the strings, but he's not in the movie a ton. I enjoyed him, though. I didn't like some of the effect work that was done on him and Blackheart, and that I want to talk about later. But I think overall, Peter Fonda was fine. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I thought he had the the sort of imposing look that I liked mm-hmm. um, of a devil, but not like you know over the top. Like there's the traditional media appearance of the devil, but then there's also the humanized form of the devil. He's usually like a classy guy, and I think that he, he played very well into that that look. Yeah. Classic old businessman that pulls the strings from behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a presence about him that's great. I liked him a hell of a lot better playing Mephistopheles in this than where they went in the sequel. In the sequel, they take I a great... I have seen the sequel. Yeah, they take a great actor in um, in uh, Kyrian Hines. Kyrian or Sir, I think it's Kyrian. Uh, and just saddle him with the worst version of the devil ever. And they change his name. It's Rourke now or some dumb... I don't know. It's, it's bad. They, they should have just figured out a way to bring Peter Fonda back, but I'm sure he didn't want to do it. <laughs> I wouldn't have. Our, uh, no. I, no. No. Uh, our other villain is Blackheart, and he's played by Wes Bentley. Uh, easily the worst thing in this movie. Yes, 100%. Now, to Wes Bentley's, I don't want to say credit, but uh, this was right in the middle of his huge cocaine and heroin addiction days 
where he's even gone on record as saying he only took movie roles at that time to make money to buy drugs. So, you know, that's that's pretty rough that he's going through this addiction, but man, was he bad in this. Like, first of all, I, I wrote a note to myself that he was discount Joshua Jackson, right? Because he just looks like Pacey and sounds like him from Dawson's Creek. But he's just so bored. Like, he's not intimidating in any way. And they tried to make him look intimidating with some of the the visual effects. To me, they just made him look funnier. Okay. I couldn't I couldn't ever take him as a serious threat of a villain. Not to mention his uh, what is it? Gressel, Wallow, and Abigor, his little henchmen, his Earthwind and Water. Not quite Earthwind and Fire, but Earthwind well, and Mud. <laughs> But uh, they, they, that whole, the whole thing with the four of them as the the villains and and all that, just terrible. That was just bad from like concept wise. It was bad, and it didn't get any better. I like that, you know, Tweedledee, Tweedleding, and Tweedledum were all like the the embodiments of you know the evilness of these spirits. They need to be, you know, Faust wrote about them. And he beats them each in one fight in like two minutes. Yeah, not even like barely like, trying. They yeah. land. They each land like one or two hits on him. And yeah, the Earth guy hits him with a truck. He doesn't even do anything Earth related. Nope, doesn't do anything Earth related, and then gets taken out. And the air, the air spirit or whatever, you he's can't supposed to be touch me. Yeah, Ugh. and then he doesn't do, make any attempt to get rid of the flame chain tornado. Yeah, that was Ugh. just. They were they were weak, uh, weak henchmen, and they were led by a weak leader who, like I said, just never was intimidating. And then, you know, then they have the big reveal at the end where he becomes, you know, in infused with all those souls, and he becomes e- even more evil supposed to be. And he looks he looks funnier. The red eyes, so yeah, the bad. bright red eyes and the dark blue skin, and his voice is never scary at all, and it and they make it worse at the end. I captured that. I'll have to play that later. But we are legion. Yeah, like just bad. So, okay, yeah, but no, no, you're just a spoiled little rich boy having his fit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and and all I could think of was like this is the the you know Kmart version of Joshua Jackson trying to play bad guy, and it didn't work. For me at all. So, yeah, easily my least favorite part of this movie. Uh, And one last one I do want to bring up is, well, two. So Sam Elliott plays the caretaker. Um, It's a small role, but it's Sam Elliott, so of course I enjoy it. He's great. Uh, The thing with him, though, that drove me crazy was he's imparting all this information and he's doing the voiceover at the beginning and all this stuff, and then... When it's time to go for that last ride to San Vengaza, he's like, I can go one more time. And he rides with him to the city and then says, well, have fun. I'm going to go home now. Later. Yeah, yeah that, that was like, really? <laughs> it's such a letdown. Like, well, I could only change one more time. And that's what you wasted it on was going for one last ride. You don't even do anything when you get there. It just, oh, that drove me crazy. And it's all so they can have that shot of the two of them riding through the desert. Yeah, big fork. Ghost Rider. Now, the character, it's nice that they did because the character is actually an homage to the original character named the Ghost Rider in Marvel Comics. Uh, He's been renamed since then to the Phantom Rider, 
but the original the original character as written in the comics was a guy that rode a horse uh, painted up white and like phosphorus and stuff and when the character was redone in the 70s as the bike riding ghost rider um, they changed the name of that character to phantom rider but he was uh carter was it carson carter or something i don't know carter slade yeah mm-hmm. so that was it was a nice inclusion to have that character in there i just he felt like don't have either don't have him ride with him at all or have him help out at the end one of the two mm-hmm. but don't do this halfway stuff because it just felt pointless no they had to have the girlfriend help yeah yeah so you know whatever but again sam elliott i'm never going to complain about having sam elliott in a movie ever um so yeah that i mean that's mostly most of the cast there's a few other people but nobody of note other than uh this was the rebel film debut wilson. film debut of rebel wilson yes yep as, that one uh, caught me off guard. <laughs> it caught I me off guard the this. first time. Um, yeah, she's great. She, it's a Basically small. Basically was me or, younger. I was going to say, remind you of yourself in 2007? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> uh, just a tiny little part, uh, two scenes, but she's great. And yeah, it was her film debut. Um, she, she plays the character she was told to play very well. Yes. She was 27, 26 when they made this. Oh, wow. She's older than I thought she was. Same age as me. Yeah. But I know how old you are. Mm. <laughs> uh, so this was written and directed by Mark Stephen Johnson. Ah, big name. Yeah. So it's not his first comic book movie, though. Uh, he actually... So he his feature film directorial debut was a film called Simon Birch in 1998. The next movie he directed was Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Ah, uh, interesting. He'd also written uh, Grumpy and Grumpier Old Men uh, were some of his. And is this but the... He wrote those? He wrote those, and he wrote Jack Frost. Uh, not the horror Jack Frost, but the one with Michael Keaton. So the, the slightly less horror Jack Frost. <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, he wrote and directed Daredevil. And that didn't go very well. But for some reason, they decided to let him direct this movie four years later. And it also didn't do very well. And he went on to direct a few other things. Um, When in Rome, Killing Season, Finding Steve McQueen. Nothing I've seen. Um, Yeah, I, you know, I, I saw Daredevil in theaters. And I wanted to really like it. And there's parts of it that I do. But it suffered from a lot of the same problems that this movie did, which is that tonal thing I was talking about. So it, it's just all over the map. It doesn't know if it wants to be like a – if they want to have a lot of humor. Like the humor feels forced at times because there's long stretches where there is none. That doesn't really – it doesn't – and when they do use some of it, it doesn't quite fit. I don't know. It just felt off kilter all the time. Well, I think Some of it is, is that uh, um, Cage – wrote some of the scenes yeah i know he helped write some scenes but it's just i think uh i think ghost rider exists best as like a punisher type like very little positivity um Mm -hmm. just relying on the badassness uh and i do think that this movie faltered from that i do think when they had him try to be innocent though a lot of it just he just hadn't been built up as threatening enough to make it sound threatening 
Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I sort of agree with you. My favorite incarnation I've seen of Ghost Rider was the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. version of Ghost Rider, which is a different, it's a different character because it's a Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes, but but it was a good version of it because Robbie Reyes is very tortured by what's gone on and he's, he's using that and he's, he's very, I don't know. It's not that lighthearted. And this movie suffered from having moments where it was too lighthearted. Like I said, the goofiness of him on the freeway after his big jump where he's, you know, riding, sitting on the handlebars and doing wheelies and all that stuff to try and get her attention. Also, that, I don't know if you noticed, but he held a stoppy at highway speeds. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's not how bikes work. I know. But I... uh that that whole like that scene felt so out of place compared to you know a scene or two earlier and then you have like where Blackheart and Mephistopheles meet in whatever random park they're in with the lights going on and going out and like the way that was shot was so different that was almost like a music video compared yeah. to some other parts of this so it just the tonal shifts just bothered me and and would take me out of scenes like the, the scene you were talking about where you said when you saw it at like 12 years old for the first time where they're riding along in the bus and then the camera pans out along the, the desert and you start getting like flames falling from the sky and then it's the reveal of Blackheart and it's just him standing there and then this quick, you know, shot of his face looking all demonic. Like it it was funny more than anything watching it for me now. I, I can see at 12 it being a little bit scary. Yeah. But to watch it as an adult, you you laugh because it just it feels so weird. And then they had uh, what was the other thing? I think I wrote down um, the very end. There, there, there's a confrontation, and they do the old school like spaghetti western push in on their eyes, and yeah. it just <laughs> like I wish, I wish on, the aspect ratio would have changed. Yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> But like that just that felt so weird and out of place compared to some of the other stuff. So it was just it was like one it was almost as if they they didn't know quite how they wanted this movie to be while they were shooting it. And it was the same problem that I had with Daredevil. Daredevil had issues with the same thing where you would have some serious stuff. And then all of a sudden a scene with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner play fighting in a park in the middle of Manhattan and like jumping from seesaw to seesaw as they're fencing i also didn't like how bullseye was comedic relief Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't know skip the movie yeah but (laughs) but it's just i don't know And, and and the thing is like visually they did a good job with this movie the look of ghost rider was especially in 2007 i think was spot on i know some people have complained that the fire doesn't look very good but i think it does I'm torn. Um, maybe you know, watching this in 2007, I might have thought differently. But I think if you were to compare this to the spirits at the end, I thought the spirits at the end looked infinitely better than his head. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I mean, I I think the the flaming skull looked good. I don't think it looked great. It looked better than the sequel did, and they had... Oh, God. They they tried so hard in the sequel to make it... I don't know what they were doing, but it just... It felt like a comic book character to me. And the way his bike would morph and the way it looked when it would flame, um, I think, worked. 
So I don't know. That's me. But flip side of that, all of the demon work, whether it be Blackheart or Mephistopheles, when they would have little bits of him, like the with the extra teeth and all that stuff, just looked dumb. That looked like makeup to me. That looked better. It, it actually, to me, looked like they superimposed a, a, a picture of the of a mask or a claymation of a of the demon face over. I still, I, I I would I would defend the fact that I think it looked better. Mm. Well, we'll disagree on that because I I just think I've seen I mean, demon work done so it much better. Fit well. <laughs> now, I mean, if it they're longer than the quick flashes, then it probably would have been even worse. Oh, yeah. much worse. Now, can I can I bring up one thing that I, that took me out of it so quickly? Sure. Uh, Please do. was at the very beginning when right after Johnny learns his dad's got cancer um, right when he meets the devil he's in the thing there's that flash of lightning and you see the devil's shadow and it's clearly not a human form mm-hmm. it looks like the little uh, cholo aliens from <laughs> men in black I it was... looks like, like a praying mantis or something like that yeah I think had that shadow not looked like it was animated that would that effect would have worked better because I liked the effect of that. I like the idea that like he's casting a shadow that isn't the human form that he's walking yeah. around in, but it did look like a cartoon drawn on the. It sh- it should have looked should have looked like a ball. I don't even care that you know the the actual graphic was work well. It should look that almost should look like a Balrog. It shouldn't look like a gross little snivelly, you know, critter. Well, I envisioned it more as like it was an old thing. The hump to its back was, you know, it was old and moving with a cane type stuff. So that was that was me. But I know what you're saying, and I think had that, I just think that had that effect been done better, that because the the idea behind it is pretty effective. I mean, it's the same with the the demonic faces, right? The idea yeah. is con- is sound, but man, the execution was just bad, and it was bad. Like the effects for. Blackheart's little uh, boy band weren't very good either. Yeah. Once I, I did like when the water guy first appeared, he like wiped away an eyeball or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was kind of funny. that wasn't too bad. Cause he appeared and like the eye was kind of droopy and he sort of wiped his face and the eye went away and then another yeah. one appeared. That wasn't bad, but like earth dude and oh man, the wig or whatever, Rastafarian wig they oh put my on God, the wig that dude. So bad. The other guys I could I would honestly give a pass to. Wind was awful. I would give a pass to their awful. design. Yes, I think their execution again wasn't very good. And the more you saw them in the movie, the worse they got. But the wind, the wind guy, which I I couldn't even tell you what character that one was. I that see them all here. Apple, it's it was it was a it was Abigor. Okay. Yeah. And man, that was just—he looked just awful. And they all had the, like the the fake sharp teeth. I don't know. Doesn't help too that their leader looks like he's just a spoiled frat boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. The whole time. So yeah, they were it, they were bad. It reminded me of uh, Spider-Man Three, edgy Tobey Maguire. <laughs> no, I think edgy Tobey Maguire was more threatening than Honestly, Blackheart. Yeah. Like, like it's so off the wall, you can't help but be threatened by this guy. I don't know, just the the whole, and I get. I think Blackheart is supposed to be a fairly powerful character in the comics. I don't know a ton about him, but whew, boy, not a not a good use of him here at all. 
especially if he is supposed to be the son of the devil. Um, yeah. So, okay. Plot. What the hell was, was going one? on? Well, there was supposed to other, be. Other than trying to get the, the, the uh, scroll. Yeah. So they had their MacGuffin, which was the, the scroll of the contract for San Vengaza, right? Which is uh, translated to Saint Vengeance. Very uh, on the nose. Yeah, I know. Yes, this is how they connect the name. So what I'm tr- still trying to figure out, and I've seen this movie a couple times now, is what happened in the town to create all this power to this MacGuffin? Well, I think it was like the original contract where they signed with blood, but it was a thousand people. Yeah. So it was... Yeah. It was just a very big amount of people signing, a bunch of souls and then, for power. Uh, and then the okay. caretaker goes, it's down, round in their own blood. Yeah. Well, and so that's the thing. So apparently, I guess we're supposed to put together or they tell us that whatever they offered, whatever Mephistopheles offered this town, they turned on each other and all killed each other. So that's where the power is. Because it had to do with evil souls, right? There were supposed to be evil souls. That was the weird, that was the thing that kind of confused me a little bit. Um, But yeah, that's the MacGuffin that uh, Blackheart is apparently coming. Plus Blackheart. Blackheart's such a terrible name for a villain too. Because you know what I think of when I when I hear that every single time, it's Care Bears two in Darkheart. <laughs> so when Man, when they where like look up what comic book Blackheart looks like and realize how much better they could have done. I I will do that. Um. So let's see. Uh. Yeah. So Blackheart comes to uh to Earth to try and find that because apparently I guess he wants to overthrow his dad. And. I'm assuming uh, was that oh, was so his, his his dad's name in the comic is not Mistopheles, it's Mephistos, um, and Mistopheles just makes me think of cats. Well, so Mephistopheles, okay, let me find the trivia here because I read about that. Um, oh well, I guess there wasn't ever a cat so clever as magical Mister Mistopheles. <laughs> Thank you for that. I know you guys um, aren't super musical people, so I just thought I'd throw it out there. Oh, where was it? I had it here. Uh, Nick Cage is an avid comics fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still can't believe he named his son Kal-El. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty easy appreciation. Is Hey, what's up, Cal? I, yeah. I don't even think, as celebrity names go, I'm going to give it a pat. Oh, it's definitely not the weirdest one we've heard. That's for sure. Smith's kid's name. Who's? Harley Quinn Smith. That's oh yeah, yep, Harley Quinn Smith. Yep. Which is fine. You get Harley. Um, where is it? They talked about Mephistopheles, and that came from I think it came from Faust. The devil in this film is called Mephistopheles. This is a reference to the classic story of Faust. Uh, story of Faust which introduced the concept of moral selling a soul. In Faust, Mephistopheles is not the devil, but one of his demonic servants. Because um, there is a devil in Marvel Comics. And Mephisto, I don't think, is the same as Mephistopheles. Like oh, yeah. Books, Blackheart says Mephistos is his father. Okay. I remember Blackheart in the comics, too. Yeah. He looks way... I mean... 
obviously they were they weren't going to do a comic accurate version. I think of they him. made I think they made Legion look a little more like him. But yes. not Blackheart. No, not at all. Um Oh. So Huh, I didn't know this. Gary Foster uh was the producer talked about in the audio commentary that Brett Cullen who played Barton Blaze in this, Johnny's dad, and Donald Logue were going to be in uh, Daredevil as Matt Murdock's dad and Foggy Nelson before they changed <laughs> it up. So I can see him as Foggy. I could see him as Foggy. He Which he would be Foggy. Uh, Donald Logue, the guy who played Mac. Oh, okay. I could see him as Foggy for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> can I? One thing I didn't really like about this movie was. And I sort of alluded to it with my comment on the speed of the fights, but the pacing. Oh, it's all over. Well, the pacing, the the pacing and the tone are are all over the place. This is an hour and a half long. It's not like it's a long movie, but it kind of feels long for for the length that it really is because that pacing is just so weird. Like you get the whole okay, so we get our backstory. origin stuff right with Johnny as a kid and his dad he makes his deal with the devil and and he really didn't (laughs) yeah kind of I mean it's the devil tricking him into signing the contract for whatever reason because apparently he knew down the road Johnny would be the guy to to do it I don't know Um, so you get all that backstory and then it's like skip ahead to now he's the big time daredevil. He's the evil Knievel type, which is which was good, but it kind of slows things down. I also think his whole the whole thing with his career, like what happened with all that, that sort of gets forgotten. He's supposed to be the guy, right? He's like the X Games, extreme sports, all over the news, talking about his jumps and all that. And after after his last jump, the only thing we get about anything to do with his career is Donald Logue's character showing up saying, you know, he got arrested. That's going to be terrible for his career. Then then Mac gets killed, and it's never mentioned again. So where's I, like I want some follow-up on that. I want to know what people are saying because he just sort of drops off the map. Well, I mean, technically he kind of did, especially if you follow into the second, second movie. Also, he's probably like on the run from the law. Well, it, that's what I'm wondering. So for as high profile as he was to just disappear like that, you know, the sequel completely, the sequel largely ignores this movie too, <laughs> which is kind of an annoying thing. I mean, they rewrite the the whole way of the um, uh, deal with the devil goes down to show it with the guy who played the devil in the second movie. But I don't know, just that, that felt really weird to me the way they just sort of ignore that part of his story like there's nothing about it after the 40 minute mark in this movie pretty much so I don't know Uh, I agree with you that the pacing is kind of all over the place too I mean you have like it ramps up and you get some action scene and then it drags for the next 15 minutes as he's trying to figure something out I don't know and the ending too it just feels weird. It doesn't like, I don't know. This isn't a good yeah. movie. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they talk about his struggles more than actually showing his struggles. Too. Yes. 
Yeah, that's, that's a very so good interesting point. to me, Travis, because you you frequently shy away from saying if a movie is good or bad and just what you feel about it. But for you to say like this is not a good movie, but it's it's not. It has, and and what bothers me about it is it has so much potential to be a good movie, right? Yeah. It's got Nicolas Cage playing a character he really likes, so he's invested in the movie, and his performance is overall pretty good and pretty even throughout the movie. You're not getting the Nicolas Cage that's like manic depressive, right? Where he's crazy one scene and then barely has a heartbeat in the next one. He's fairly even keel throughout this movie, which maybe plays against um, plays against itself. I don't know, but I think you're getting him and you've got a decent supporting cast as far as like on paper. I mean, Ava Mendez is not a bad actor. Donald Logue is great. Uh, Sam Elliott, Peter Fonda, but you have a writer and director in Mark Steven Johnson that I just don't think has a great grasp on pacing a movie. He writes okay, but but look at the stuff that he wrote prior to Daredevil, and it was comedies mostly or heartwarming stories like Grumpy Old Man, Jack Frost, Simon Birch. He tries to do Daredevil. It does not work very well. He, he says, he, you know what, let's give it another whirl. Yeah, and he does Ghost Rider. That didn't go very well. Now, he did write Christopher Robin, and I heard decent stuff about that. Oh, but again, know. yeah, but again, that's going to, it's not a comic book movie. It's not an action piece. It's wholesome. Yeah. You know, to his credit, he did put up a, a bit of money for this movie of his own to film some of the action sequences, and that's part of what kept it. So it was originally going to come out in 2006, he pushed it back to film some more stuff, I think, with the helicopter on top of the roof. Which was, in the end, nothing. Yeah. yeah just nothing. just enough to pull the helicopter down to yell at the pilot and let it go. Yeah, I mean, there was some weird, uh, you know, it, it's the idea is that the Ghost Rider only takes out people that are evil, right? And he can he can judge them on their, uh, their soul or whatever. Innocent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now see the scene in the um in the, the jail. jail cell was also kind of tonally just weird because Actually, it, that, I felt that fit. That fit to me. But but you could have taken it out of the movie and it wouldn't have changed a thing. The movie would have been fine without it. It I'm gonna disagree with that just because of the innocence part. It, it, they could have put the innocence part in another spot, yeah. but that's where they showed, oh, he's just not going to kill everybody. He's actually going to pick and choose and be a spirit of vengeance. Also, the kid's not necessarily innocent. He just didn't want a dude to get beat up. Well, uh, he, he was probably in there for other reasons, because not everybody in jail is always evil, evil, evil. True. Circumstances can change. You're still innocent or have innocence within you. You're not a complete evil person. Yeah, for all we know, the kid got picked up for like tagging a wall somewhere and set, you know, put in the because that was just a holding cell, which yeah. is why they're all lumped together and they're still wearing their street clothes. And but, none of the cops stopped the fight. Yeah, I mean, the scene basically is there to to show the spirit of vengeance taking pity on somebody, beating up a bunch of people, and getting his new jacket with the spikes. Also, on. Yeah. also nice that jacket. He, he, would, he specifically mentioned he only turned in the presence of evil, and he was all. He was all chill before they put him in the holding rooms. He right. was getting brought in there, yeah. Yeah. I need to get a little little Nick Cage freak out there, too. 
But, uh, yeah. And you have, like, the whole thing where they end up... So the climax of the movie takes place in San Vengaza. Um, and the fight there... I think another thing that makes me not look at this movie as a good movie and and, liter- and come out and say a bad movie is it doesn't follow its own internal logic. So they've established that the rider comes out in the presence of evil at night. So is it actually at night or just in the shade? Because the end of the movie, he just needs to get into the shade to be able to turn into the rider. And, oh, and, he, can, and he can just flick it on and off. Yeah. It's not a forceful transformation. Well, they, they kind of allude to that in this in the story of the movie with him willing the, the possession out. Yeah, that that actually didn't bother me. Like by this point he's figured out how to change when he needs to. But it's the does it so does it only happen at night or does it happen in the shade? Because he takes the rifle and he sticks his arm out of the sunlight into the shade and he can change the rifle that had no ammunition in it to be able to fire again. So Yeah, that's that's Deus Ex. Yeah, and that that's the stuff like don't tell me in your movie that these are the rules and then just ignore them when it's convenient. That stuff really bothers me. Ah uh, yes, the sonic screwdriver. Yes. That's, that's established though. But that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, the sonic screwdriver has been established as it does whatever it needs to do. Mm-hmm. You haven't like this movie <laughs> This movie basically said, no, here's the rules. And then the end of the movie is makes me, I'm sitting here watching it like, but wait, what about that rule? And you know, they did, they did similar stuff in, in daredevil. Again, I mentioned they do it even worse in spirit of vengeance, the sequel to this. Um, don't, don't, <laughs> they, they could, they, not only that, the, the big hoo-ha, his big power in the first one, they completely ignore in the second one. Oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the the penance stare in this is interesting to me because he doesn't use it a ton, but it is a really useful thing. He basically uses it, what, twice? I mean, they show him use it. Three times. Well, he tries to use it a third time. Well, the the middle one, yeah, he tries mm-hmm. to use it. But, uh, but then it, it gives away the ending by doing that, too. Oh, well, all the souls are going to go into his body, and then he's going to use it and win. Does yeah. he use it on the dude he takes the jacket from? No, he uses yeah. it on the guy that was attacking Rubber Wilson. And then, yeah. And then Blackheart at the end. Yeah, and then he tries to use it on Blackheart, and Blackheart's like, I don't have a soul, ha, ha, ha. And you're right. I, that, I literally, once the souls started going into him, I said I said out loud, oh, now he has souls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's how he's going to win. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and again, I mean, that's that's just not uh, not subtle writing. I mean, you can you can get that same point across and write it in a better way where it's not so blatantly obvious. I don't know. Um, and it also, it makes your villain pretty worthless because he's got all this power, but then he gets more powerful, but it makes him completely vulnerable to the ghost rider. At that point. It's an Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it would only be vulnerable to someone with that exact skill. True, but that is the skill that he is most known for, too. And I don't know. And there's there's other things in this movie that are like leaps of logic. For instance, um, after he changes the first time, so he Mephistopheles goes to him and change, you know, kind of initiates the initial change. He has this freak out moment, and then he takes off riding in the motorcycle, and he ends up back at his place. And then there's Blackheart and the Backstreet Boys to attack him. 
how did they know who he was or where he was? Uh, he's not back at his place. Wasn't that his place? No. That was, uh, no. Oh. It's like a train yard where... Uh, oh, Blackheart okay. Used to be a <sighs> All right, so that makes more sense than that they were there. And then he, he, every time he's woken up so far, he's woken up at the, uh, the graveyard. Okay, there's another bit of eternal logic that I would like to discuss because Sam Elliott mentions that Blackheart can't get to him at the graveyard because it's hallowed ground. And then he goes into other church. Yeah, he goes into churches and he goes into the church at San Vengaza. So what is ha- what is hallowed ground? Is a church not hallowed ground, but a graveyard is? But a former graveyard that's now a train yard isn't? Because he just They've walked into that. Right, but he had no problem walking into that. So why didn't he even try to go to the other one, I guess would be right. my question. Like he, so. he should have at least made an attempt to get on the other grounds and then give me some reason why he can't do it. Or if he can't go on to anything that's consecrated ground like that, he shouldn't have been able to get into the church. The church was desecrated. Both the graveyard that became the the train yard and that church was uh, desecrated, no longer consecrated. The church that he goes to in the middle, or because the right, one right, I so I can I can follow you, yeah, I can follow you for the one at the end, but the one right. where he's okay. standing in the church and he's turns around as the priest comes in to get the information, that's the ah. one where he shouldn't have been able to get in there if it's hallowed ground thing. Okay. I agree. So yeah, like it's just have some consistency and follow your own internal logic. That for me is a big thing. I don't the care. Most consistent thing was that he ate red and yellow jelly beans <laughs> out of a out of a martini glass too, which is the best thing. Like, but the, then there's there's like a ton of them in his apartment too. <laughs> they like they wanted to make these little quirks for him, like him enjoying the the video with the chimpanzee doing uh, karate. Laughing like, <laughs> which was great too because he literally started laughing the second he turned the TV on. He he hits the button on the remote and then just starts laughing. He hasn't even had a chance to process what's on there yet. Ah, oh, I love that. Really but into- yeah, he just loves monkeys. Yeah, that that cracked me up. And the idea of like, uh, you know, I can't drink alcohol. It gives me gives me nightmares. But then he's got his glass full of jelly beans. Ah. Oh. Silly, silly stuff like that. I, I think in a better movie, I would have enjoyed a lot more. Here, I kind of find it funny. Is like, really? That's that's the best you can do for character development is to have him like jelly beans. Like that just feels lazy. But I think you can use something like that in a better movie. I don't know. I, I, I wanted. I want to like this movie so much because I love the character of Ghost Rider. I grew up. During the second Ghost Rider era, um, Johnny Blaze was still around in the comics, but he had given up the spirit of vengeance, and it was uh, Danny Ketch that had it, which is where... So this version of Johnny Blaze has some um, mishmash of Danny Ketch as well, because the chain was a Danny Ketch thing. The spikes were more, uh, more that look. But I love the character. And as I said, I like Nicolas Cage. I like him in this movie. I just, man, the writing, like the whole, the whole of the writing is not good. And I don't know, (laughs) just, just gets under my skin. There are things to like and things to dislike. (laughs) But I will say this, and Christina has voiced it a few times as well. And David, if you want, watch the sequel. Um, 
just to say that you saw it, but you think this is bad. That's like much, much worse. And again, it has actors in it that should be good. It's got Idris Elba. It's got Christopher Lambert. It's got Kieran Hines. And it's terrible. It's so much worse than this. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know the Punisher was at one point a ghost rider. Uh, yes, in the comics, Briefly. he becomes uh, yeah. a cosmic ghost rider of some kind. Because the Spirit of Vengeance is, uh, which they do touch on that in the sequel, but very, very briefly um, in in the movie Spirit of Vengeance. The what is it? Z- Z- Xanatos, Zeratos. I can't remember the name. Um, is the spirit that actually inhabits them when they when they change? I don't know. Like I say, I really wanted to like this a lot more than I do. I've given it a couple of tries now. I still, I don't hate it. I will watch it if somebody wants to, but I don't seek it out to watch on its own. It's just, I don't know. And I think it looks good. I think that the ghost rider in this looks good. Alejandra Jones ghost rider on a sport bike with a scythe. Mm, That's a cool one. I do like the Robbie Reyes ghost rider with the car. I love mm-hmm. that old Challenger Ghost Rider. It's really cool. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I have some clips if you want to hear them. Um, so it was there was some some things uh, I do. Okay, so here is your um, your villain at the end when he gets all his power. So we've seen this trope in movies before, where uh, it happened with. Um, uh, Deacon Frost and Blade, where he becomes he's he's the villain, but then he gets all this extra power at the end, right? Like that's not an unknown trope. He gets all this extra power, and this is what he sounds like. My name is Legion. That is the least intimidating thing I have ever heard. Legion. And I remember what he said. We are many. I was like, what did he say? I had to look up. You mean this? For we are yeah, that's ugh, terrible, 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 terrible. He also had another line earlier on, and it was the scene where it's the only scene that he has with Peter Fonda. And he tells him that he would retire him, which ugh. when delivered from somebody who is intimidating is a great way to say, I'll kill you. I'll kill your, 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 whatever your spirit. I like that. Just didn't work coming from West Bentley. Cause it sounded like this. I will retire him just like I will retire you. <laughs> okay. It, it sounds like karate movie act. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I'll retire, I'll retire you. Basically, sounds like a stuck-up rich boy trying to trying to throw his father's power around. Yeah, yeah, kind of to his father. Yeah, to <laughs> to his father. That's true. Um, so Donald Logue, I think he got to. I really think he got to ad lib a lot of his stuff because he had some of my favorite lines. He had this one early on when he's talking to Johnny. You should be taking a dirt nap after that ragdoll today. You should be taking it now. Okay, real quick. I have to say, where where do you think this movie was supposed to take place? What city or, or region were they in? Dallas is my guess. Okay. So you're thinking Texas of some kind? Which would make well, sense. They show the Texas flag. They do, Numerous okay. Times. 
And they do mention, but they mention that San Vengaza, which I thought was supposed to be in Texas, maybe it was Mexico, was like 500 miles away. That's Texas. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. You're not wrong there. Um, but Cage's southern Texas drawl kind of came and went. He didn't. He didn't hold on to it very well. That is a Nicholas Cage thing, though. True. Donald Logan, hey. on the other hand, I think held his okay. Just say he isn't asking to put down the bunny. Oh, <laughs> uh, but been riding the gravy train with biscuit wheels for too long. Oh, you mean this? But we were riding the gravy train on biscuit wheels around here, and then you showed up, and everything went to hell. So why don't you just go back to wherever it is you came from? Take a breath, Donald. Take a breath. It's okay. <laughs> that was good. And uh, also, when he talked about his dog, because <laughs> right after he says. You should be you should be taking a dirt nap, and Nick, uh, Johnny Blaze just comes back with like, "Well, I'm Lucky," and this is his response to that, which killed me. I got a hunting dog named Lucky. He's got one eye and no nuts. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Not a lot to say about this movie. <laughs> oh, uh, so we did have. I only caught one Sam Elliott line, um, other than what I played at the beginning, uh, and that was just. Now, I did think it was funny that he goes through that whole first night and he crawls up to his father's gravestone. Yeah, that's great. But you get our, our reintroduction to Sam Elliott's caretaker. I guess it's his first scene, isn't it? Technically. Um, and he just looks at him. Horned bonehead. I'll admit, I had, to, I had to actually rewind it the first time I watched this movie to make sure I heard what he said right because it's Sam Elliott, so he's got... A very relaxed way of speaking, but it was morning bonehead. Convenient uh, that his dad was in the same graveyard. Uh-huh. Uh, I loved this. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> what the hell was that? Howdy, howdy, howdy. Oh. I actually put that on the board twice. Look at that. Um, oh, and <laughs> one of the trivia bits I read said... Uh, um, something that gave away that the caretaker used to be a rider was that there was the exact right number of glasses of water next to Johnny Cage when he woke up. I'm sorry, somebody somebody's stretching a little bit there, for, I think, for that. Right. But Well, I mean, why would he know to put more than one cup of water next to him unless he knew something? Yeah, I guess. But I just felt like that didn't deserve its own line in a trivia about this movie. However, um, that was a great then exchange between them when he comes out and he's got the he's holding the last cup of water and he's like, "How you feeling?" And uh, it was I, I captured the whole thing just because I thought it was funny, uh, and it was. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I feel like my skull's on fire, but I'm good. Thanks for the water. Uh, have you seen my bike? It's just like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, I feel I feel great. Uh, 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 it's like oh, yeah, I feel like my skull's on fire. <laughs> Not far from the truth. True. Um, oh, Sam Elliott doing this. That spit. Morning, Bohan, and he spits his chaw. I like capturing weird sounds like that. Oh, the the writer did this. This this one cracked me up too. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it was Nick Cage doing the voice for that, for the writer. So they just, they took his voice and they ran it through. What did he say? The sound designer talked about 
they 15 took, different things. Yeah, a bunch of different animal growls and reversed it and did all this stuff. And uh, Yeehaw made it into the final cut. So, um, Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, for something that was filmed in Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so the scene with him in front of the mirror had uh, two weird sounds that he made. One was uh, him chattering his teeth. Which <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. Like that was just a weird. That was Nick Cage. Like they're just like Nick, do some stuff. Go ahead. Um, and then <laughs> that one too. And now I have yeah. I have that captured forever, so I can just play that anytime. Um, <laughs> question that for was you just though: Him going crazy after the first transformation. Yeah. Question for you though. Do you so? There's rumor, or rumors are that the his abs in this movie are CG. I don't think so. I honestly don't. I think he just got into really good shape. I think it was one of those water weight, like dehydration weight loss, because it didn't look like it didn't look like the muscle mass was big. He mm-hmm. just looked, he just looked cut. Yeah, and that's that's like a dehydration, like giveaway but he looked great i mean you don't look at nick cage and think he's gonna look like that but i don't think i i think that was legit uh, it just didn't look right to me well the last time i saw him look that level would have been con air because con air he's actually like again very he's thin but air, yeah. but he's really ripped for for his size so that's sort of what it reminded me of but i don't think it was cg I think it's, I, I would fall more along the line of what you said, David, which is, you know, dehydrate himself a little bit to get that extra muscle tone. Nick Cage has confirmed his abs were real after a lot of hard work. And I can, I can see him doing that if he wanted this role as bad as, as I've read. So I just, I never bought that that was CG. It didn't look, because the other CG in the movie wasn't. Uh, it, it doesn't look CG, but it just doesn't look right. <laughs> well, it's because he. may have been like makeup enhanced. There, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there was some makeup enhancement to it, and because they also he was wearing a wig, right? He's wearing a rug in this movie, um, which apparently took like three hours to put on every day. So, and then they again in the sequel they just gave up on that and just let him have his natural hairline. Don't I mean what they gave they gave up everything on the sequel. Well, David, watch the sequel, but don't watch the sequel. Like. Come on over sometime and we'll watch it here so we can just make fun of it. How's that? That'll work. And it's only an hour and a half long too, so it's not like it's a super long investment to get into that. But it's it's worth I I think that's worth a watch just to say you saw it and watch it with some friends. Yeah, no, I'm I uh I'm down. I, I like that you're in acknowledgement of that this one is not good and you are going to such lengths to say that the second one does not improve anything. <laughs> Mm-mm, not a damn thing. Well, the second one improves the first one. I, uh, I, I, finished, <laughs> I, finished, I finished this and I watched, I watched the trailer for the second one. Um, and when I watched the trailer, I thought his skull looked, I, I mean, I know we had disagreed on this and it might've just been beefed up for the trailer. But I thought his skull looked better in the trailer than it did in the first movie. Um, 
but at the end of the trailer, the the kid you know asks him, "How do you pee?" Mm. And then there's a shot of him from behind peeing fire. Yeah, it's the like, flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's <laughs> it's that, and like one of the things I liked about this was they gave him kind of a comic accurate look with the leather jacket and the big spikes on it and all that. And in the sequel, he's his leather jacket is like tattered and almost looks like it's like half boiling from the hellfire heat and there's no spikes on it. And I don't know. I just, I didn't like the look of him in the second movie at all. I liked when he got the second jacket and then he's riding that bike and made the transformation go like he showed that the spikes got bigger. Yeah. That was cool. Oh yeah. I love that. Like I say, visually, I like this movie. Uh, I just think, I think my favorite visual scene was when he went up and down the building. Yes. Yeah. Down, hands down. Like, oh, yeah. The, the shot of the dude cleaning the window and then like the perfect like tire tread through the window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know this was before he started doing that, but I think that would have been the perfect Stan Lee cameo. Um, so this was actually the only Marvel-produced movie, I think... Uh, with with the exception of Spirit of Vengeance, Stanley doesn't have a cameo in it. He had nothing to do with the creation of um, Ghost Rider. That wasn't right. anything he did at all. So he didn't he didn't do a cameo because he had been doing cameos in Spider Man and Daredevil and all that before this. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So. He he started doing cameos back in the eighties. He had a cameo in uh, the Trial of the Incredible Hulk. So him cameoing in Marvel films was nothing new. But he didn't do it in this one because he just had nothing to do with this. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that window guy was someone we should know. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, not that I'm aware of, anyway. I know uh, this movie ended up with a budget of 110 million dollars. It made money. Uh, well, it made 115 million in the U.S. It made 228 uh, worldwide. So enough to get a sequel made. That's a return. <laughs> now, I think the biggest problem with both of these movies is this movie had a director and writer who I'm just not a big fan of Mark Steven Johnson. Uh, the seems high, doesn't it? Well, it was originally 65 million, but it got beefed up because of Nick cage and his fee demand and the, the demand that things look photorealistic. So they had to put a a ton more money into the fire and the skull. And it really beefed up the budget. I almost ended up doubling it basically. So yeah, I mean it is pretty high, and especially 2007. You know, this wasn't this was pre Iron Man, right? So we didn't have the MCU yet. We didn't have these kind of almost guaranteed box office comic book films that we were getting. So I don't know. We'll see. Somebody mentioned that um, Nick Cage should be in an MCU movie, and I thought bring back his Johnny Blaze because it's not part of the MCU, and I think he's good in this. I, even if it's like a small role in someone else's movie. Cause he's almost ghost Rider almost works better that way. Like a Hulk or, or Punisher where you can have him as an extra character in something in an ensemble. Have him show up in a doctor strange. That'd work. Ooh, that'd be really good actually. Plus I wouldn't even mind having, uh, Johnny blaze and Robbie Reyes in the same thing. I think you bring back the kid that, Played him, played Robbie Reyes and Agents of Shield, and put him in something. I think that'd be yeah. really cool. So yeah, uh, that is that is Ghost Rider, folks. Um, look, it ain't good. All right, <laughs> I'm just gonna come right out and say it. It's not. I think it's worth seeing if you like comic book movies. 
but don't expect anything from it. It's just there. Literally, I mean, it's it's not horrible. It's not great. It's just there. Yeah. Um, I mean, David, what did you think seeing it for the first time all the way through? Uh, I'm not going to say it's the worst movie I've ever seen because it's not. Um, but it's not good. Um, I, I enjoy a lot of it, but a lot the rest of it just overweighs the stuff that I enjoy. Um, I mean, I enjoyed a lot of the visual effects, not all of them. I enjoyed uh, Eva Mendes. Uh, I enjoyed, um, you know, Sam Elliott. How do you not enjoy Sam Elliott? Right. Um, but the the pacing and the bad guys were just so underwhelming. Yeah, that's really what kills it is the, the uneven tone and pacing and then Wes Bentley's Blackheart is just awful. Well, usually villains will make or break a movie. That's true. That is true. Um, so yeah, Ghost Rider. Uh, that was that was our. We're continuing Nick Cage month, Cage of Palooza, and Ghost Rider came up on the list, and I wanted to cover it. So now next week, um, I'm continuing with uh, Bill from Run Jump Stomp, which is a great show. If you haven't watched that, he also does one called 143 Pixels about retro games. Run Jump Stomp is all about video games and current news and all that kind of stuff. Bill is great, and he's going to come on next week. We're going to talk about one I had never even heard of before called Pay the Ghost with Nick Cage uh, from 2015. So definitely come back and check that out because it's not only my first time seeing it, but I literally had never heard of the movie, and I read – let me find Pay – hold on. Because he mentioned this movie – And this was the tagline in IMDb. A professor frantically searches for his son who was abducted during a Halloween carnival. And I I was like, I'm sold. Let's do it. So 2015 Nick Cage. This is is in the era of Nick Cage where he was taking paychecks. So so come on back for that because that's going to get, I think that's going to get interesting. It's got a meta score of 23. And an IMDb score of 5.2. So we're in for something. We're in Still for something for sure. Than a lot of. Uh, oh, I can't even think of his name. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, so, Seagal. Steven Seagal's movies. Well, yeah. Let's, Seagal's movies are boring. That's the problem with those. Like, Nick <laughs> Cage. When a Nick Cage movie is bad, it's it, a lot of that ends up being because Nick Cage is just there collecting a paycheck and doing whatever the hell he wants. So he goes crazy. Seagal, if if he's just doing whatever he wants, it's just being broody and you know whispering most of his lines. So anyway, um, yeah, come on back next week for Pay the Ghost uh, with uh, my guest Bill from Run Jump Stomp. So guys, thanks. It was a ton of fun having you both back on. It's been a while, David. Haven't had you on for a little bit. I know. I was trying to remember the last time I was. It was just uh, you know quarantine, man. Yeah. It hit people differently. Yeah, that's true. And Christina too. It's been a little while since you were on, so yeah. I've been uh, I've been rotating through some people, but uh, we have the rest of Nick Cage month, and then we've got October coming up. And I know you'll be back for at least one of those. We're gonna do something horror related that should be fun. 
I haven't oh, figured out horror. what yet. Horror. Horror. Horror the better. So, what are the yes. other Nick Cage movies we're doing? Or are you only announcing one on air? Uh, well, there's uh, Pay the Ghost is next week. The week after that is going to be... Let me find it because I know we're ending with Raising Lord Arizona. Yes, Lord of War. That is it. So it'll That's be... That's the one he got. Didn't he get like an Oscar nomination for that one? I don't remember if he did or not. I know he's really good in it, and it's a good movie. So I'm I'm looking forward to showing that to uh, to my guest Rishi is coming back. Rishi B is going to come back and watch that one. And then we're ending the month with Raising Arizona. So, and if you haven't seen Raising Arizona before, check that movie out because it's it's totally worth it. That's a really fun, goofy early Coen Brothers movie. So. That, that's what's coming up in the next few weeks is uh, Pay the Ghost next week with Bill from Run, Jump, Stomp, Lord of War, and Rishi B a couple weeks from that, and then Raising Arizona with Joe Hood. Joe's going to come back, and we're going to talk about that one. So that's what's coming up over the next couple of weeks here on Wait You Haven't Seen. So with that having... Hitch has an Oscar. Oh, yeah, he does for Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? All right. Well, um, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you, guys. It was fun, as always. Um, And until next time, as we always like to say. Thanks, Travis. Thanks. Enjoy your movies and be excellent to each other. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>